0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf and joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York.
1: Great to be with you, Dan.
0: Nice to have you. On this program, we deal with questions that have come into us from listeners or questions that we've thought of ourselves from our experiences in life. And in keeping with the theme of Reformation, and particularly towards the end of this month is Reformation Day, we thought that we'd have a series of questions dealing with the Reformation. And you know, I might also say that uh, Mark... Uh, your son, Jeremiah, also is here in the studio with us today, and uh, he's a missionary pilot. And uh, although this discussion will be largely between yourself and and myself, Jeremiah, it's nice to have you sitting here with us today. Yeah, thanks. The um, subject of uh, the Reformation is very important to us, and sometimes you think, gee, why did the Reformation have to occur you know, sometimes I've thought about, you know, I I consider myself a Reformation Christian. You know, why uh, Why really was the Reformation of the medieval church really needed? And sometimes we think, gee, I wish that, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest right up front, just say, I really wish that Reformation could have occurred uh, without a split, for example.
1: Yeah, so we wish that as well, that it, it would occur without a split, and but what we have here, I think, is you know, we live in a fallen world, hmm. and what the Scripture tells us about us is, you know, in Adam all sinned, yeah, and and we have the sin nature, and that sin nature really, it's easy to get the upper hand, you know. The mm-hmm. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked," mm-hmm. and so that even operates among the church Um, if you look at the Old Testament. And you remember, Dan, the Old Testament, right? You see what happened with Israel, especially Mm. the lower kingdom. You had some good kings and uh, then all of a sudden you have a bad one. Hezekiah, great king. What happened to his son, Manasseh? Ah, very bad king. (laughs) Probably executed Isaiah. He did seem to come back, but then his son was wicked and then we have Josiah coming, and Josiah was a good king. Hmm. But then there's a falling away again. And so then you have Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and all the rest until they went into Babylonian captivity. So we see this thing happening, and we have to be vigilant in the church as hmm. well. That's right. And and that's what we see. And so if we're going to start off, we look at the church, and we see the church as a persecuted church hmm. initially, uh, first, the Jews persecuted the church, as we see in Acts, and then by the time of Nero, Nero kind of took over, and and then you had sporadic persecutions for the first 300 years mm-hmm. of the church. Mm-hmm. And the church remained very faithful, but even shortly after that, you, so you hit 315 when Constantine comes, and he takes over, and now suddenly the church is free. Hmm. You know, in Christ conquered the Milvian Bridge, where he conquered, and now Christianity is the official state religion. So, Constantine was he a Christian? He was a Christian, mm-hmm. and so he became a Christian, and uh, he wound up on top as a solo emperor eventually. And so now we have the Christians, but immediately there was a struggle, and that mm-hmm. struggle was over the person of Jesus Christ. Was he a created being? Or was he truly God? And so we had, very early on, in 325, the Council of Nicaea. Mm -hmm. We get the Nicene Creed out of that.
0: Ah, yes.
1: And we affirm that Jesus is begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. In other words, he's true God. And so we have the church standing strong. We also had another challenge in the early church, and that was called Pelagianism. Now, Pelagius had this idea that there was no such thing as original sin. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now, don't
0: we have, um, even today, um, people, like when little babies are born, um, some folks are of the uh, opinion, uh, myself included, and you are certainly, that they've inherited the very sin and guilt of Adam, whereas others would describe them as, as innocent and not having sin. That's
1: exactly right. Mm -hmm. Uh, We look at that, and we look at Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, David says, In sin my mother conceived me. Ah, yes. And we understand that, that we are born sinful. We have inherited Adam's sin. We call that original sin.
0: Yes, and it uh, may sound unjust, and we could get into that at a later moment, but uh, suffice it to say, uh, even an infant... um, shares in Adam's guilt and sin, and is born into this world, um, I guess as Paul would say, dead in his trespasses and sins.
1: That's right. Paul does say that. He was dead in trespasses and sins. So
0: the uh, situation on the ground leading up to the Reformation, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were sharing with us beautiful history from the early days of the Mm -hmm. Christian church. And in fact, I'm just going to put a comment in here that... um, You even mentioned the church in the Old Testament. Yes. Um, That's really what it was. Yeah. When you talk about these various tribes of Israel, we're talking about the chosen people of God. That's God's people. Yeah. Yeah. You were bringing out the fact that uh, sin comes in and it really messes things up. And so um, either the blessing of God follows or else the judgment of God and corrections as God intervenes in the lies of his church uh, under the Old Testament. And so now here we are, Christ has come, and um, you were going on, you got to uh, Nicaea, I believe, and I, I probably interrupted you at that I, point.
1: That's that's fine. I, as I was pointing out a little after that, we were talking about the, the original sin. Well, here you have a man, Pelagius, coming up and saying, oh, we yes. have no original sin. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a man by the name of Aurelius Augustine, the great church father Augustine, challenged him and said, no. We have original sin, and it's only by God's grace we're saved. Whereas Pelagius was saying, no, we don't have original sin, and we cooperate with God. In fact, we can be righteous, and we can live a life without sin. And in fact, Pelagius went so far as to say there were individuals who did live without sin. Mm-hmm. But of course, at that point, the church said, no, Pelagius, that's a heresy. Hmm. We're all sinners, as Paul yeah. says. There's none righteous, no one. There's none that seeks after God. Romans That's
0: right. Hey, uh, we're coming up on a break here. Um, you're tuned to a Plain Answer today. We're talking about uh, events leading up to the Protestant Reformation, because later on this month is Reformation Day, and uh, we wanted to talk about some of the history and leading up to this very important uh, event in history. But stay with us now. We have a short break and we'll be right back.
2: We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Stay with us now for the second half of our program.
0: And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York, and attending in the studio with us also is his son, Jeremiah Diedrich, who happens to be a missionary pilot, and um, we were talking about events leading up to the Reformation, why was that Reformation needed, and I believe, Mark, you were covering Pelagius.
1: Yes, and he had mentioned Pelagius had said that a person could live their life without sin... And could actually live a righteous life and had actually been a denier, if you will, of the scriptures that say all have sinned and Mm -hmm. fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23.
0: What was the time frame of uh, Pelagius, roughly speaking? This was
1: roughly the 5th century, the 400s. That's the time when that occurred. Very shortly... Oh, just a hundred years beyond the Christian church having official status, if you will. So from there until the Reformation is still quite a bit of time yet. Yes. And the church came down on the right side here. The church uh, stood up and said, Pelagius, you're a heretic. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is not right. But certain things had occurred earlier, and a few things started to develop. And one of those things we have to do is go back to this time of persecution, and if you look at the time of persecution, there's a number of people who responded in a different way. Now, what was the persecution? Well, the Romans would say, and there was a number of things that they, w- they would do. Uh, one, they would demand you give up the scriptures. Mm. And some people would give up the scriptures and then be set free. Others huh. would die yes. and be thrown to the lions or however tortured, burned, whatever, and never give up the scriptures. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, there was a thing called a libellus. Now, a libellus was a piece of paper which said, I have offered to the gods. Now, there was a number of things you could do as a Christian. One, you could say, well, I offer to the gods, but I know they're not really gods, and therefore, I'm going to get out of being killed, but I'll repent of that later, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. And so you offer to the gods and get your libellus. Another way was to go on the black market and buy a libellus and get it filled out, even though you hadn't offered to the gods. <laughs> Save your life that way. The third way was to stand up and say, I'm not going to sign a libellus. I'm not going to offer to the gods. And then you get thrown to the lions. Mm. And so suddenly, in 315, Constantine takes over. The Christians are out from underneath this persecution and all these Christians who had signed the Labellus, who had, in a sense, apostatized, come to the forward and say, okay, we're back. We're <laughs> back to the church. And now what does the church say? What do you say if you have lost close friends and relatives? Mm. Because they wouldn't sign the labellus, and this person shows up and did sign the labellus, and they're there, and they want back in the church. That's a major standing. tension. <laughs> that is a huge tension. <laughs> so the church said, well, how do we know you're sincere? Yeah. If you were willing to sign this labellus, if you were willing to offer, how do we know you're sincere about your faith? So what they said is, well, let's do this. We'll give you a penance will Hmm. give you certain things you must do to show your sincerity.
0: Well, that sounds like the genesis of the whole penitential system. And that's exactly what it was. It was the genesis of the
1: whole penitential system. The problem was things got distorted. As the ages grew, the emphasis came to be on a number of things. One, it came to be on the councils. The Mm -hmm. councils having more authority than the Word of God. And some of them were good, some of them were not so good. Mm -hmm. And two, then on top of that, then you also had this bishop of Rome who kept getting more and more authority to the point where he said he had the authority. And Mm -hmm. so you see a drifting away from scriptures.
0: So did the bishop of Rome, uh, did his understanding of his authority kind of change over time and he... Apparently, acquired more authority as 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 the years and decades passed.
1: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. The bishop of Rome uh, acquired more and more authority, and uh, became as the term that we know him as as the Pope. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so he had more authority, and eventually the church, instead of looking solely to the scriptures for their authority, the scriptures started looking to councils. Mm -hmm. to what the Pope says, and the focus was shifted away from scriptures. Maybe I should emphasize that. It was the shift away from scriptures, and then suddenly we have this penitential system growing. Now it's not just for those who had apostatized, but what about someone who's committed a very grievous sin, Mm -hmm. maybe adultery, Mm -hmm. or maybe murder? Well, what do you do? Well, you want them to prove that they're sincere in their repentance. Mm -hmm. Well, you give them a a penance. And so you have this growth of this penitential system. And soon it began to take on a life of its own. Now it was not just proving the sincerity of repentance, but it was actually becoming a meritorious work. Yeah, so
0: you're kind of slipping down a slippery slope here. It's a slippery Um, slope. There's a very valid concern. Right, and that is—is um, is there sincerity in the repentance? Exactly. Um, there is this feeling every one of us feel when we fail God, when we sin against God—a uh, guilt. How do you deal with that guilt? Right. And so, what is starting to develop here apparently is—is is a a works-based system of dealing with the guilt.
1: Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's one of the things that we see, for example, with Judas Iscariot. How did Judas deal with his guilt?
0: Yeah. And it's not to say that works aren't important. Um, Would to God that we had very good works in our Christian life and in society. So as we deal with this, we're certainly not putting down good works because we need them. And the point is going to
1: be, when we get to the point where we start talking about Mm -hmm. Luther and start talking about justification – He's going to point out that by trying to keep the law, you get worse and worse. Mm. And actually, that's what we're going to see in the medieval church. Mm-hmm. The the church became focused on keeping laws and keeping the rules, and it became worse and worse. And the other thing that developed with this penitential system is suddenly you have a situation where you may give a person a penance that's going to take them a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What happens if they die and they've only gotten through half of your penance?
0: Oops. <laughs> yeah. Now what do you do? Now let me just uh, take a rabbit trail here for a minute. Uh, your son Jeremiah is here in the studio with with us today just observing. But uh, Jeremiah, you've certainly got a lot of experience. Um, you're a bush pilot. And uh, you see tribes. Um, just bringing us right up to um, current times. I'm just jumping ahead. I hope you guys don't mind. Um, do you ever see cases uh, among tribes uh, similar to kind of a penitential system? Uh, anything like that or similar anyway? any way?
3: Um, you know, not, not in what I have uh, mm-hmm. particularly observed, but one thing that did jump out at me was the idea of Pelagianism, um, where we do see that affecting um, people's idea of missions or people's um, okay. seeing the necessity of it because they'll say, you know well, without this idea of original sin, they say oh this this is an idyllic lifestyle oh, yes. back in the jungle, and these people are 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 you know living at peace and harmony with each other and and why, why do right. we need Christ because if anybody's going to live a perfect life, it's going to be you know some isolated tribal group in the middle of the Amazon, yeah, a couple
0: hundred people there, and around the birds and the bees and the nice noises and everything.
3: Yeah, yeah. What you'll find is is this idea will come from within the church, will come from Christians oh, who why? don't have a real grasp on this idea of original sin, mm. and they end up wandering mm. down the pathway of saying, well, maybe there there are cultures where. You can live mm-hmm. uh, in in a pleasing relationship to God apart from Jesus Christ. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's interesting, and that's, uh, thanks for jumping in there with it. Yeah, I was March.
1: just going to just ask you. You know, one of the whole concepts of the penitential system is the idea of appeasing God. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at the tribes, though, when something goes wrong, what do they try to do?
0: Don't they try to appease the it's, spirits? Yeah. Uh, yeah this
3: this is the idea that if yeah. if someone dies, he was uh, killed by the spirit world mm-hmm. um, if you don't if you don't follow the certain customs or give the certain yeah. sacrifices, the spirits will uh be after you even in in one case, yeah. one tribe that is predominantly christian now um, back in the day back in the uh sixties uh, and seventies and eighties when the missionaries were working in that tribe. They said it was it was always very gloomy and sad, and the people would joke around a lot, but it was kind of to cover up their fear, and they said ultimately yes. what it was is they knew that they were guilty. They yes. knew they did bad they stuff, and they didn't know God, and they didn't have a concept yeah. of who God was, but they knew that they were answerable to somebody. Yeah. And that someday he was going to come and they were really going to catch it for all yeah. the bad things they had done.
0: You know, the theologians would, would teach us that that man is uh, irrevocably religious. And either he would uh, have his emotions and his faith in a false religion or else in the religion, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's no such thing as neutrality, is there? There's no such thing as uh, an innocent native or an innocent baby, for that matter. Uh, We all have a need of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Well, today we're talking about um, events leading up to the Reformation. Uh, This month, certainly the end of this month, uh, will be Reformation Saturday, in fact. And um, there's so much to be covered leading up to this important day we thought we would just take a little time here on a plain answer and talk about today why was the Reformation of the medieval church needed? Mark, you've been recounting some very interesting history. Um, as I recall, between the time you just covered here with Pelagius, etc., and I think there's a key date in history, I think it's 1054. Could you cover between uh, where you are right now up to, I believe there's a split? Uh, in the Christian Church that occurs at 1054.
1: Yeah, the split occurs at 1054. Is a split between the Eastern Orthodox Church and what was then known as the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was over who is the authority, and of course the the Bishop of Rome or the Pope uh, was given authority. There was also uh, discussions over many other secondary issues, such as...
0: You had yeah, when is Easter, you know? Yeah, and you had mentioned the Nicene Creed, and as I it, vaguely recall, right. there's there's one sentence in that Nicene Creed that the Eastern Church had a problem with.
1: Yes, and the problem the Eastern Church had with that is a procession from the Son, mm-hmm. you know, where it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit who proceedeth from the Father and the Son. Right. And the Eastern Church says, no, no. Uh, <laughs> And you don't see that spelled out directly in Scripture. You mm-hmm. see procession from the Father. Interesting. But you see implication that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son.
0: Now, we still have the Eastern Church in existence today. Yes. You know, uh, in our circles, you know, we're, we're Americans, and uh, a lot of us, the folks I hang out with, are Protestants. Um, sometimes um, wrongly so will say, oh, you know, there's Protestants, Catholics, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're ignoring a huge number of Christians in the world that come under the banner of, of the Eastern Church. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. And, yeah. and uh, sometimes that, that church has been very much persecuted at the front of persecution. Mm-hmm. And is like all churches, uh, remains uh, faithful to the gospel, in greater and lesser degrees, depending on yeah. where you're at, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, um, we're almost to the end of this session where you're listening to A Plain Answer. Uh, we're looking at uh, the Reformation today. And the question before us is, why was a Reformation of the medieval church needed? We've just barely started into this subject today. Uh, Joining me in the studio is the Reverend Mark Diedrich of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. And we're also delighted to have Jeremiah, your son, along with us today. Just uh, stopping by, he's a missionary pilot with a well-known organization. And uh, we'll probably have some follow-up sessions on missions with Jeremiah but, uh, Jeremiah, it's uh, great to have you with us here today also.
3: Yeah, thank
1: you. Yeah, one of the things I was just going to just maybe to summarize this is to say what is happening is we have come to the point where Pelagius has become victorious in the Middle Ages, even ah. though he was declared a heretic. Okay. And we find the Pelagian idea and the Pelagian, or the, at least a semi-Pelagian uh, concept is mm-hmm. actually what is being practiced in the church.
0: We'll probably need to flesh that out a little bit more in our yes. next session as we have this series here on the Reformation. And um, But I see we're at the end of our time today for this edition of A Plain Answer. If you have a question for this uh, cast of characters, put it that way, <laughs> that appear every week here on A Plain Answer, Please send us an email with your question And uh, we have any number of subjects and questions before us But we will get around to answering it And we will take your question seriously Just go to our website at RedeemerBroadcasting.org Go to the link there under Contact Us And send us an email Well, we're at the end of the session today Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining us in the studio For A Plain Answer, I'm Dan Elmendorf. May our Lord richly bless you today as you serve Him.